Thanks, Lucas. When I'm not planning my uh, Applebee's commercial at the worst time possible, I'm Lucas Whitney. Welcome to Bacon Wire. Got Carter. We got SD. Um, we're we're going to talk for a little bit, shoot the shit, and then we're going to kick it to our interview we just wrapped up with the legendary Brian Mas Masalem. I just, I don't know why I keep, mentally I'm trying to like fuck up that name, and I'm sorry, Brian, if you're listening. I should know, I do know it, but my mind just plays tricks on me. So um, Brian Masalem is, was our guest. Um, we said half hour, he joined us for like 50 minutes. He was very gracious with his time. I think he just didn't care. You know, I just said half hour is like a, like a jumping off point. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was a great interview. You'll see it. You'll, you'll listen to it at the very end. Um, I'm a little brood, so I'm a little discombobulated. Um, but I'm going to start what the fuck is going on with basketball. We get, I, uh, we get 30 piece. Well, nearly 30 piece again, by Iowa twice in a row. It's happened dating back to last year. And this Iowa team is not worthy of a 30 piece doing, doing a 30 piece to us. And I'm really disappointed in the seniors. Um, I mean, I don't know the stats. I'm, I'm drunk, but like, I can't remember the stats, but like they don't get any rebounds and Gabe should be the leader of this team. And he isn't, um, I'll let you guys go off that. I'll, I'll meet myself. I'm, I'm just really fucking frustrated. I can't believe we have to kill the vibe of wrapping up our interview with Brian. He was gracious with his time. He was receptive to my crazy ass fucking ideas, you know, uh, you know, he gave great answers. He let, he, he, he loved talking with us. I could feel it. And now we have to talk about fucking basketball. And, and I'll start, I, I mean, I don't, the, the Illinois loss didn't bother me. Didn't bother me as much because Illinois is, is a great team. And I felt like at the end there, they might have unlocked something. And in the post-game press conference, when Izzo said, uh, oh, we're not going to do that, that again. We're not going to do much of that again. Talking about the whole guard uh, Walker, Tyson Walker pairing, like them on the floor together. I knew Tuesday was going to be bad. Um, but this bad, I mean, this bad shouldn't happen to a team, to, to a school like Michigan state. We don't get 30 piece. You know, the, we don't get 30 piece by fucking anybody. It, it was, it, it was so, it was so brutal. It was so brutal to watch, not because we were outmatched by Iowa. Um, we were out hustled by Iowa. We were out effort. Iowa gave more effort than we did, which is something I, I, in all my, in all my years of watching MSU basketball, that is something I thought I could, I would never ever say about an MSU basketball team that they put in less effort than the team that beat that it that was that that was that that loss here comes a hot take that loss 
was more demoralizing to me as a fan than the Middle Tennessee State loss. Mm. Because it, the ramifications of the Middle Tennessee State loss were, were, a little, were a little higher, right, than this Iowa loss. I don't think this Iowa loss kind of changed our trajectory in any way. But, you know, it's the NCAA tournament. Shit happens. Teams and players get hot, right? Yeah. That's, that's part of what we love about the NCAA tournament when it doesn't happen to our, our team, when, it, when someone comes out of nowhere and knocks off a few of the big boys on their way to a deeper tournament run than the school's ever had. But to get 30-piece that a Tuesday night in Iowa City, fucking embarrassing. Embarrassing. Very much so. I've been kind of racking my brain the past, you know, couple of days to a week trying to pinpoint exactly what has gone wrong with this team. And I haven't really come to a conclusion. I think I'm just that baffled by how like bad they really are. I mean, we see the potential with Hogard and Walker. We know what Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham were supposed to be, what Max Christie was, was hyped up to be, what, some of these guys off the bench were kind of expected to be. And, you know, it's, there's talent everywhere that you, that you want it. There's, I mean, on paper at the very least, there's, there's Walker's, you know, um, ability to run the point. There's Gabe and Christie shooting. There's Bingham's rim protection and post presence. And none of that has been existent or apparent on this team in the last, I don't know, what appears to be like a month to me, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's just been awful pretty much like since the Michigan game, you know, I thought after the Michigan game, we'd just go on a, on a cruise for the, for the conference. You know, we were locked into like a two seed, two or three seed in the tournament. And now everything was just, I mean, not good. I mean, Bingham and Brown are, have become nearly unplayable. Mar- uh, Gabe Brown. Brown Gabe Brown, Gabe Brown at this point, I, I think is unplayable. I, I think Gabe Brown is as playable as Steven Izzo at this point, in my opinion. Ooh. If they're both going to hit the same amount of shots, I mean, Gabe went 0-5 from 3, 0-7 from the floor against Iowa. And, yeah, we kind of knew that that we thought this team was going to go into Iowa City and have a terrible time, and they did. <laughs> uh, but I think the Illinois loss was a little bit more annoying to me just because – of the fact that they decided to start playing down 16 with like eight minutes left, you know, and, and made it a close game to the, to the point where it was a two point game. And then we get, and then we get the dagger hit on us by a guy who's been in college since at least 2007 in Trent Frazier. (laughs) And that's just for us. I mean, that was just the most frustrating part. I mean, it was cool to see, it was cool to see Tyson Walker actually be aggressive, but he waited way too Too long. long. Too long. Way too long. You know when the time to start being aggressive was? Tip off. Against, against Kansas and New York City. Yes. That's when you start being aggressive. What, so, what I don't really, know. What really annoys the shit out of me is after that game, Izzo went, hey, hey this is it. You're not going to see this again. Basically said that. Like, don't expect this again. Like, sure, we're not expecting a 30-point performance from him every night but like if he can put in 15 20 
we're in pretty good shape. Give me 15 and nine. Give me 15 yeah. and like nine assists. Yeah, we're in good shape. We could, I don't know if we could beat Purdue, but we could sure as hell beat the rest of their schedule if, if he's doing that and other things go online. But it, I'm just really, I mean, I, I'm not one of the people who thinks we're on bubble watch. I think we're in, but if we lose out, we're in date, we're probably in the first four again. Or pretty, pretty damn close to it. I mean, I don't know if they want to put us in the first four a second year, but we might be teeter-tottering that line again. Unless we go two and two or two and three, you know, including a Big Ten tournament win or loss, um, or, you know, three and two and we play Friday or Saturday, depending on how we finish. I think I think they're like – I think at worst they're probably like a 10 seed. Yeah. Um. But I don't. I mean, I don't think this team is going to do anything in the tournament. Not as currently no. constructed. They can't. Yeah. They can't find anything on the offensive end. You know, they're just they're passing the ball around with no intent. Nobody's moving. Nobody's cutting. Nobody's looking for an open shot. Uh, nobody's rebounding. Nobody's been rebounding this entire season. And the defense has fallen off tremendously. I mean, our guards are getting are getting blown around at the point of attack. Uh, if Bingham's not going to be in there giving effort on the defensive glass or protecting the rim then this team is going to give up a lot of points a lot of nights so the team as currently constructed is not a team that is going to do any damage in the month of march i'm sorry to say it but it's true unless everyone is literally playing at their best like we can't and we haven't seen the signs that they're going to do that so no no someone is gonna someone is gonna have the worst game of their lives every time they step out on whether that's Gabe Brown, whether that's Marcus Bingham, whether that's Tyson Walker, whether that's Malik Hall, you know, it's like, it's like spinning. So I feel like at this point in the season, it's like spinning the, um, you know, the closest to the, the showcase showdown wheel <laughs> on, on wheel of fortune, but like half the board is over a dollar. This <laughs> is right. Price is right. Yeah, yeah. sorry. No, I'm, I know exactly. You just get the buzz every time. Right. Like you just, like you can't, you can't get, you can't, you can't stay in the game. You know, and, and I tweeted this from Bacon Wire. Carter, that's a good point. You don't need a Herculean effort from Tyson Walker if you're not down 16 with eight minutes left. Like that's the thing that drove me crazy, right? Like, applaud the fight, whatever. But you also, like, got to, like, compliment sandwich that with we were down 16 to Illinois again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I just don't – I don't see – I honestly don't see another win for this team on the schedule. I don't. I really – I've given up. I'm seeing another win for them. Because the only thing where it'll be Maryland is our best chance – and we had to take them to the fucking buzzer. Well, we'll be at home this time. So I think that, yeah. I think I, okay, this isn't Homer. I think two and two. Um, I think this team's going to get up for Michigan. I think so too. I, I, I think they will. Um, if they, I don't think we're going to lose. We're not going to beat Purdue. Um, let's, I think we're all in agreement and it's not being, uh, Debbie Downers, it's just being realistic. Um, if we beat Purdue, 
it won't be because we outplayed them. They'll they'll, they'll have be, played their worst game of the they'll year. They'll beat themselves. It'll yeah. be because Matt Painter pulled pulled a Matt Painter. <laughs> or yeah, and like yeah, it'll it's gonna be it would be like a fifty-two to fifty type of win, where they're just missing everything and brain fart. It would be a total. It would be a forty-minute brain fart. Yeah, from Purdue, which ain't gonna happen. Purdue's a wagon this year. They are they are incredible and. Uh, I I think we can beat Michigan and Maryland, but you know if we if we get our asses kicked by Purdue and then we lose to Michigan, yeah, I'm I'm going to be on the uh, 0 and four train. And depending on who they match up with in the Big Ten tournament, I mean we'd be staring at 0 and five. Um, I I'm not going that far, but I could see it. I mean it, it is it is a possibility with the way with the inconsistency they've shown. It's not even inconsistency at this point. It's just, right earlier in the season was inconsistency. Right, they're consistently terrible. Yeah, they've been consistently underwhelming. It's it's consistently inconsistent. It's not even that. Yeah, it's consistently inconsistent. My my biggest beefs, I think are lineups rotations oh yeah and player development those are those are things whoever is in charge of those things needs to be indeed.com needs to be indeed.com yes because Nihau. like Nihau yeah i know joins, I, Nihau Dwayne stevens Nihau. yeah i know like in the and, <laughs> and yeah i know Dwayne stevens has been with izzo for a long time and he's been around but there's clearly something that's not working. So if he's continuing to do the same things, then you have to move on. It's just that simple. If you want to win, you know, I, I don't know. And then whoever else, whoever else is in charge of, of player development needs to fix something. I don't know what coach is in charge of that or what, what member of the staff is, is, is uh, integral to that part, but it's not working. I mean, look at the 2018 class. Aaron Henry was the only player worth a damn in that class as a and he was out. the second lowest rated player in the class yep it's because he had the, it was because he had the mental and physical toughness to become a quality player under Izzo he was a spark Aaron Henry is a Spartan dog absolutely I can't point to one player on this team and say you're a certified Spartan dog I think you can Malik Hall yeah maybe yeah AJ Hogard perhaps but anyone else i cannot i cannot confidently call them spartan dogs i think max christie will get there oh i think he'll be fine here's another beef okay here's another problem i have with max christie and dk brings this up all the time and i absolutely 100 agree why is he guarding the other team's top wing every game for like 33 minutes out of the game that absolutely eliminates him as an offensive player due to the fact that he will have dead legs on the offensive end. He's not going to be able to get his shot up if he can't set his feet and continuously have leg strength to put that shot up. That's why some of these shots that he's shooting are falling way short because he has no energy on the offensive end because he's spending all the time doing what Gabe Brown is supposed to be doing. It doesn't make sense. It, this is a coaching malpractice against Christie in my personal opinion. Yeah, it's like it's sending Lewerke out there with a the, with the bum shoulder. Yeah, you're you're wearing this kid out. And, you know, sure, he had the summer to practice with these guys and 
and and get to speed but like he's still a freshman and you're not going to get the speed of the game and you're not going to get the conditioning you need unless you're you know one of a kind someone like well Anthony Davis really didn't need it he just needed to be a big man but like you know I think of one and done's like that but like Christy I I'm just really upset with how Izzo's just wearing him down and he's not giving up but like it would just be great I mean it wouldn't I don't know he's not going to do it but like if we're if we like are losing the next three games, you know, maybe Izzo takes a I'm I don't even talk about it, it would be stupid. But like give him a break somewhere. But it's too late. You know, we're 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 in the stretch where we need him more than ever. And I think that's gonna be something that's gonna be a topic of discussion after we eventually bow out of the tournament, is that Izzo is gonna come out and say, I really pushed Max way too hard. And that's on me. I can see that quote coming from a mile away. I'll, I'll, I'll hope I lighten the mood here. Um, Izzo in his press conferences recently, because he has been doing that. He has been kind of saying, yeah, I shouldn't have done this or yeah, this, this went wrong. Uh-huh. Izzo has become captain hindsight <laughs> in a way. <laughs> captain hindsight. <laughs> I shouldn't have played max for 35 minutes. That see, night. What, I, what I shouldn't have done is play my freshman 33 minutes a game against the team's best wing player. <laughs> Wow, thanks, Captain Hindsight. <laughs> what you need to do is what you need to do is get your senior captain's ass and tell him to stop being and stop standing in the corner. Stop standing in the corner like a like a kid at the prom without a date. <laughs> or like you're playing um, pickup ball, like you're cherry picking. That you're just, you're just sitting in the corner waiting for the ball to come your way. Yeah, that's I that to me, that is what jumped out to me against Iowa was they were just playing rec ball. They yeah. weren't even running Izzo's place. They were just, they were just standing around. They were standing around the arc, just passing it around until someone had to put up a three. And, you know, if this team is going to be bad because of the 2018 class, then maybe it's time to cut and run the, with the 2018 class. Right. Mm-hmm. Let them get their chance to kiss the Spartan, the Spartan head, whatever. It's fine. Um, even, you know, but it, the starting five on Saturday, legitimately the starting five on Saturday should be, should be Hogard. Uh, should be Hogard, Walker, Aikens, Pierre Brooks, Malik Hall. And bring Christy in off the bench. Give, give Christy some breathing room. Give, give Christy some breathe. Give give Christy a blow. Or you could put Christy in there and bring Aikens first off the bench. However, right. you need to justify it, right? I think I would actually prefer that. You know, the way you fucking sub big, the way you sub in Marble for Bingham after the first media timeout, do it and bring Aikens in for Christy. Yeah. Get the young guys, get the young guys some game experience. If you're punching on the season, don't run, don't do the same thing over and over again. That's what got me so angry. Like, like, yeah, I was, I watched the entire game, like the sicko that I am. I, (laughs) it was like three and a half minutes left in the game. It was way over at that point. And I see Gabe Brown and Malik Hall come to the scorer's table. It was like a 30 point game. And two guys who don't need to be playing at that point were checking back into the game. Why? 
Jason I, Benetti, I screamed that. I screamed why. Jason Benetti and Robbie Hummel were talking about fucking diapers or whatever. And you have fucking starters checking back into the game. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. Like, I, I applaud SD for his, uh, his take that he launched into the, into the timeline. Um, a little bit of a nuclear one, a little precursor to what's been going on. I don't necessarily believe it. It's it's in it's in play. It's That's in all the I'm realm of discussion. It's in play. It is absolutely in play. But I, same, I don't I don't agree sticks, with this. If he sticks with the starting five and he keeps playing twenty five rotations a game, and his starting lineups keep go keep having negative Torvik, then yeah. It's going to be so, and he doesn't make changes to the staff this offseason, then yeah, it's something to monitor. <laughs> it, and it, I get, and I get that college basketball is different than college football, where younger isn't necessarily better. You know, guys serve different purposes. But right. I'm sorry, the rotations, the rotations that have been set out there for this team are nothing short of, of malpractice. If it's intentional, it's malpractice. And if it's unintentional and Dwayne Stevens actually thinks these are competent lineups that are capable of winning Big Ten basketball games, then that might even be worse than malevolence. Well, and I because just, at least you can go, well, he's just being a fucking dick. Doing it inexplicably is even fucking worse. When I just get annoyed when I see the Colton Pou- Colton Pouncey's such a triggering guy sometimes when he does the Red Box Bowl references and all that, like jokingly, it's just it's funny. But like, it really annoys the shit out of me when I see like I think it was the Penn State game where we had more uh, lineups than field goals made. Yeah, and that that's a I, I'm pretty sure it's happened quite a bit ever since, and maybe even before that. But that's really fucking annoying. It's just annoying. And again, if you need to play 25 lineups out of necessity because all your guys are dead, then you have a problem with your strength and conditioning program. Yeah. Right? So there are fundamental issues with the coaching somewhere, whether it's whether you're playing too many rotations because either you don't know what to do or or you're just being, or you're being, or you're being malicious in pulling guys too early. That's a problem with whoever handles rotations. If got, if you need to play so many rotations because guys are tired so often, then that's a problem with your off-season program and your conditioning and your strength and conditioning. Amber should be the first call. You should, whoever, whoever, get. 10 referrals from Amber this offseason. This is the only Tom Izzo doesn't have to listen to me. I'm an anonymous, I'm an anonymous Twitter asshole. <laughs> but your first move this offseason, besides getting besides getting Gabe and Marcus an English to Chinese dick pocket dictionary, is going is walking from Breslin <laughs> to Scandalaris. Walking into Amber's office and saying, give me 10 names. 
Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I don't know. I hey man, don't worry about it. You know, Mike Garland will have Dwayne Stevens' position in the offseason, and Stevens will switch to like Doug Wojcik or whatever. You know, it'll be it's, it'll it's, be D'Antonio twenty nine musical chairs. Yep, yep. musical yep. chairs. Musical chairs on the Titanic. If that if, if that happens, then I'm gonna buy into Spartan Dog's tweet. I'm gonna buy in and say, "This is this is we're gonna monitor it." But if the season starts out rough or ends rough, then we need to have a um, a crucial conversation. And also, this too. The people who say that Izzo deserves to go out the way he wants, fuck you, fuck you. No, he doesn't. It's starting to, to. I'm starting to think less and less of that opinion. No, he fucking doesn't. If he's gonna go out like this, he fucking doesn't. If he gets a second natty, I think I can give him that leeway. But um, that that that. If he gets is... to the second weekend, <laughs> yeah, and it might just be the 2018 class, right? If it's yeah. the 2018 like... class, then fine, right? Your hit rate was low. We'll blame it on we'll blame it on we'll blame it on Coach Fife, and we'll just move on. Uh, I'm, I I want to see what he does with Jackson Kohler and um, Holloman. Yeah, Hall, Trey Holloman. Yeah, I, I want to see what he does with these guys um, before I completely start to like give up on him and throw his owner the bus. Like right, but that th- is something that we need to keep an eye on. It is it is a conversation that. Who knows a year from now that we might be having. Um, yeah. But I, go, go ahead, Carter, go ahead. Well, I, I just really like the foundation of the 2021 class. I mean, Christy, if you get, you probably will yeah. get another year of him now. Oh, um, absolutely. I still see him in mock drafts. I think, you know, some teams might actually still like the potential, but I, I think he needs another year to it, refine things. It could but be I like love, uh, Kevin Herter, who like yeah. out of the blue just blew up the draft charts. If he kills at the combine, go. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Hey, you mentioned Kevin Herter. I love it. Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, I love Christie. I love, you know, he could be the focal point of this team next year. Um, and then what Aikens has shown us about what he can be. I mean, he's going to be damn special. Brooks, too. You know, he needs a year to uh, refine his skills a little bit as well. And I think he'll have this offseason to do that. But I think that's your core right there. If you get Kohler, who people are in love with Holloman is a guy who plays really good defense. So you'll have another defensive guard. Uh, and then of course the floor general uh, in 2023, he, I mean, he's a, he's a high four star. He's like right on the yeah. edge of being a five star. So he's going to be damn good too. Yeah, so. I don't know if he wants to keep going by the floor general um, right now. I would, might I would not talk, go well. I would tape that down, you know, especially as he gets closer and closer to that 18th birthday, uh, I would, <laughs> I would maybe go like the floor, uh, the floor peace lover, uh, sure, or <laughs> the floor asthma haver. Uh, oh my you know, <laughs> things oh my. like that, right? You can have the same mentality, but you know, I would maybe shy away from uh, from the general stuff for for right now. He my. he's distributing um, the general, the uh, car insurance company, right. That's what he's doing. Um, he'll have the general patch on his jersey. Um, but I mean, we could go. We could talk about this for like hours. And I'm not saying we're going in circles, but we we probably could. 
Yeah. Um, it's just depressing to think about. Like, you know, we normally just we see like one bad football loss and we're going, oh, when's basketball season starting? And you know, like we talked to with with Brian, like, you know, it's a 12, it's a 12 month thing that we're just so fucking excited for football. And I don't, it's weird to see MSU basketball take like a back seat because we've gotten so many great memories out of it. But like what I keep saying, what I want is I want that point guard duo or just one of them to be like the next Cassius or like just be something like <clears throat> I want that year where we're, we have like <laughs> Baz Napier and Ryan Boatwright. And look what happened. We know what happened. It's tough to think about because that team was really goddamn good and probably wins the title if they don't, if they don't get beat. But, like, it, I just want that one year where we're the buzzsaw. And I just, you know, I think with Christy it could happen, but he'd, he'd probably have to be a junior or senior. And I don't see Christy staying past next year, regardless. I no. think it was his plan to say one, maybe two years, um, three or four, if he really, really loves it and wants to get his education. Sure. But like, no, we're, we're not going to do that to him. Um, I mean, but that, 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 the thing about Izzo is starting to creep in my head and it started with Illinois Um and the Iowa game, and I agree with you, Carter, on the loss being more annoying than Illinois, because it's like, in my mind, if you're going to get blown out, just get blown out. Don't, don't make me think we're going to win. Like, like, like Hawkeye, don't give me hope. Yeah. Like when the Rams were coming back to win the Super Bowl, I'm like, you fucking score here or you lose. Like, don't score here and then lose again. Like, don't don't lose in like the final ten seconds. Like, don't give me that hope. But, like, yeah, I'm not optimistic, but I still think we can go two and two to end the year. I'm, I'm still sick in the head. I still have those sick thoughts. I think we're – we'll get up for Michigan, and Maryland's the last game of the year, right? Yep. I think we'll get up for those two games. Um, Ohio State is beatable, but I'm not road. calling a win against them. They, they, they can be clipped, but – it would take a pretty big effort by this team that I just, I just don't see. And what's really sad is what a month and a half ago, we were number six or something. We were top 10, top 10. We were like number eight or nine. I thought we were 10. We, I we, don't know. we got 10 was our highest ranking this season. Oh, I swear we got to like, not like it was probably like 10 or nine, like a coach's poll or something. But like, yeah, it's just, what's depressing is we were top 10 um, in the driver's seat for the big 10 title, or at least like we were going to make noise. And man, this is, it's a February free fall to me. It doesn't feel like a February funk anymore. Cause like even in past years, like in 2019, we had a couple of s- slip ups and then, you know, we got our asses kicked by Purdue, which was an annual tradition. And then we go into Ann Arbor and that's when it all started, you know, the, the season completely changed, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. Um, the expectation has definitely been lowered. I wanted Sweet 16. I'd be happy with a, with a, um, one win in the tournament at this point. Yeah. You know, this, this February we're in um, reminds me uh, of something a, a, a great philosopher. Oh, no. A great philosopher. Um, 
you know, sad, sad ones. Uh-oh. Um, you know, she's a good girl, loves her mama, loves Jesus, <laughs> and America, too. <laughs> uh, she's yeah. a good girl. She's a good girl. She's crazy about Elvis. Uh, she loves horses and her boyfriend, too. <laughs> Where are you going with this? You know, it's just a long day living in Reseda, Lucas. Uh, <laughs> there's a freeway running through the yard. I'm a bad boy because, you know, I don't even miss her. Uh, I'm just a bad boy for breaking her heart. And I'm, I'm free. Free falling. Oh, my. That was. <laughs> yeah, I'm free. Free falling. The, the, the classic American poet, uh, Thomas Petty. Thomas Petty and the Heartbreakers. Who never did a marijuana in his life. Um, never once. I mean, the song "Last Dance with Mary Jane" is actually about a woman named Mary. Yeah, Jane. it's it's not about marijuana. Mm. So, do we do we have anything else we want to talk about tonight? I don't really think there's much else going on. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, Michigan State related. we're not going that. At least Michigan State related. We're not going that route. Um, it. <laughs> we just. I hope everything works out. Hope everything ends up resolving itself. That's all I'm going to say. Um, a little movie wire. I watched uh, Licorice Pizza last night. Yeah, what'd you think? I saw Licorice Pizza as well. It was good. Um, it didn't feel like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. I was waiting for like that, you know, like that vibe, that uniqueness that he brings. And um, it just felt pretty straightforward to me. I mean, the cuts were a little weird, but like, yeah. I thought Cooper Hoffman was pretty good. Bradley Cooper was fucking unreal. He's so, so good. He's so good. And Barbara Streisand. Sand. 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 And then Sand. Ben Stiller shows up. Yeah. Um, and I thought Elaine, Alana, is it Haim or Heim? Heim. Heim. Okay, thank you. Um, Alana Heim was really good. Um, I don't know if she's ever acted before, but I know yeah. she's, you know, she's good friends with the with T Swift. And PTA. And PTA, yeah. He's a big hand guy. He does, like, all their music videos. Yeah, like, that was weird. Like, we're watching, and it just says Heim. And then all of a sudden, a Heim video directed at Paul Town Sanderson. I'm like, oh, all right. I'm like, that wasn't a bad song. It was a little catchy. Um, no, I enjoyed it. I'm going to see Jackass this weekend. Cassie's got a bunch of stuff to do. So it's going to be a dude's night out for me. I, uh, I, I can't wait. I haven't laughed that hard during in a movie theater i think since god it had to have been the other guys when i saw jackass i i was catching my breath i was trying to laugh (laughs) it's so funny i can't wait and then tuesday night i'm going to see batman so i won't be watching the michigan game (laughs) i i have decided to not like we talked about with Brian, I'm not letting Michigan State basketball mentally ruin me right now. Um, I'll wait until they're good again, and then I'll let them mentally fuck with my mind. But like, um, yeah, I got those tickets. I'm not. I, I can't wait to see this movie, and it's been getting insane reviews. Yeah, I'm going um, to see the. Uh, I'm going to see the worst person in the world tomorrow. Uh, it's oh, you're order. going to see an Ace and, and Bender podcast? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see a live show with Ace and Bender and uh, Scott Bell. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> <laughs> hey, <was laughs> this? 
special <laughs> guest, special special guest Don Thomas. <laughs> I heard Thick Stauskas might make a cameo. Oh, oh yeah. Well, his nose will be there five minutes before he gets there. <laughs> oh, <Whoa>. shoot. <laughs> What'd you say? Thick Stauskas. Uh, um, no, The Worst Person in the World is a Norwegian language film. Uh, it's oh. been getting a lot of hype. I believe it's nominated for Best Picture, actually. Oh. Cassie uh, watches all the Best Picture nominees. She wants to go watch Belfast. Here's a, um, here's a life hack for you. Okay. Um, when you buy tickets online, if you buy the general admission adult tickets, you're a fucking, you're a sucker. Yeah. You buy student or you buy senior. And if it's a like PG, like if you're going to see a Marvel movie, you buy child. They're they not going to fucking, they will they're never, never, they will never know. They won't care. Like there's a movie theater near me that's like uh, online when I order on the app, it's $5 tickets. And normally it's like $10. I have no clue how they haven't fixed that. But like I could, I went to see, I don't know, Black Widow back in, back in the summer. And it was for the whole, for all of us, it was like 25 bucks. Going, okay, <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, I can't wait to go see Jackass and then Batman. I'll have some movies to talk about next week when we get together. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about the two games because we got Purdue. Is Purdue a new game? Yep. Yeah, Purdue is a new Cool. So I can get that out of the way early. Open um, the lots at 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll kick it right now to – we're good, right? Yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah. We'll kick it to our interview with uh, Brian Masalem. Um, Again, fantastic. I think we can consider him a, a, a family um, friend, a, a brother of the of the show and of us. Um you know, uh, we can we can put ourselves in pictures with him, say we knew him back in the day and all that. Um, <laughs> I'm really bleeding this dry, but I don't give a shit. Um, so yeah, it we'll, we're signing off for the night, but uh, we we sign off with Brian, and it's better than what we do here. So have a good night, everybody. Uh, have a great weekend. Stay safe. Um, try not to just watch the news 24 seven. It's gonna fuck with your mind. Um, like Sharon, you remember that in South Park, uh, Sharon was watching CNN 24 seven. Yeah. She's like on the couch and Randy's like, Oh, you've been watching it for eight straight weeks. So don't, don't turn into that. Um, all right, here we go. Here's Brian Masalem. We have a very, very, very special guest with us tonight. Oh, (laughs) um, we have Brian Masalem on. He is a um, former MSU uh, board of trustee member. Um, you played on the you played on the football team. Um, do you want Do you want to brag about yourself a little bit more? Like <laughs> everyone knows who you are. I, I don't. I mean, we, listen. We live in a bubble. I mean, I was uh, on the board. I played from '92 to '96, and uh, played for George for three years, and Nick Saban for two, and. I'm a Spartan like you guys are, you know, diehards through and through. So and thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys. Well, yeah. I, I'm, I've grown to really like your, your, um, your show, podcast show, uh, Inside the Locker Room with Jason Strayhorn. Like that's, I, I love the, the info, like the guests you get are awesome. And I just, I love the, the topics you guys bring up all the time. Like, you know, I, I'll, I'll listen to anything MSU, but like, 
it takes a lot for me to stick with something MSU podcast related that isn't like us and maybe a shout out locked on because Matt Sheehan's our boy. Um, oh yeah, he's good. And Man, Matt's um, good dude. Yeah, he's he's awesome. So um thank I just want to say thank you again for for joining us. And um for those who aren't who aren't in the know, he he is currently enjoying the sunny Florida weather. The horrible 85 degrees and sunny i mean that's just Ugh. that's tough it's a, lot of work. it's a lot of work guys <laughs> listen i'm just out here chopping yeah yeah, yeah. relentless Relent. you gotta yeah. be always relentless doesn't always matter relentless. where you're at doesn't matter where you're at you gotta keep working yeah you know? but the, i appreciate you guys i'm oh, sorry appreciate sorry. you guys having me and um, yeah podcast is, is fun and we're you know stray and i we go back 30 years since uh, our college days and uh you know it's something we've always wanted to do and now that i'm no longer a trustee we can kind of act in a different capacity so it's fun just like you guys right we're all having fun we're all sparring well we all want the same thing right oh yeah yep absolutely uh my first question is i know um you know you kind of work at woodward sports you have um, some interesting co-workers, um, or leave it at that. Uh, when you um, when you pass Ryan Armani in the studio, you know what? I don't know if you guys all have the same studio space. I'm not exactly sure. I listen to the audio feed. Um, you know, is the gap in his tooth bigger in person? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, you know, we're all there at different times. Yeah. And um, he's a good dude. I mean, it's just, it is, it is what it is. Everybody's got their own shtick, right? I mean, yeah, we're diehard Spartans through and through. We're slaps. And he's a blue belly slap. I mean, just, <laughs> it is what it is, right? I mean, yeah. we all have uh, colored lens glasses. And um, I, I think, um, I think one thing we can do a little bit better is uh, maybe be more objective. Um, because we don't feel like the rest of the wall is going to come down on us like like some of them do. And um, I also think that um, we can learn from that. I think we need to build that Twitter wall, that social media wall, that the media wall. And, um, you know, when you spin the narrative, like we can learn. We can learn from the blue wall. It's not, it's not a that a terrible thing embrace it and learn from it and this is what we we as Spartans need to build as well yeah no I I 100% agree with you you know the blue the blue wall is something I think is I think is an interesting kind of talking point because like it it's something that's so that seems so simple yet yet is so complicated right like like when you have like when you have as many figures in 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 Detroit media that are as slanted as they are, you know, it's just funny to hear everyone complain about like Valenti and Rainer Sabin, <laughs> you know, like they like like when they talk about like how they can't listen to ninety seven one between two and six when ninety seven one from six a.m. until until two o'clock and then from seven to nine is, is the exact opposite. So uh, I definitely agree with you there about the blue. We need to build our own wall. We need to have our own, our own media, you know, um, that's something I'm, that's something I'm totally on board with. 
So we got, you know, you look at, uh, you know, you got Chief Propaganda, you got Justin Spiro, you got the Matt Sheehan, uh, you get a bunch of, you know, you know, from Amanda Rose to Peach James and like all the social media wall that we need to build and we got to get the beat writers involved more. And it's more about, um, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, it's something that instead of us sitting here complaining about, right, uh, we, we probably should all partake in and say, all right, this is how we do these things to spin a narrative because look, Sports is one thing. We joke and we laugh and we kid and we do all those things. Uh, but that wall was real when it came to the president, when it came to the the provost, when it came to even the Nasser, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Anderson stuff. I mean, right. and they're still writing about Beauchamp Beckler. And, and, you know, Jim Harbaugh is taking interviews on a national signing day. I mean, like if Mel Tucker would have took an interview on national signing day, he, he would have got destroyed. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If, if, if Tom Izzo would have smacked the coach, they would have called it his Bobby Knight moment oh. and said it's time for him to step down. I they, mean, they would have they would have been protesting outside of Breslin for him to be fired. Without, I mean, like, let's just be honest, right? I mean, he's all washed up. Oh, look, he's, you know, he's disengaged. He doesn't understand this. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, that, that would have been the narrative. And, oh, yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying what, I'm not saying by any means what does uh, uh, Jawan did, he should have been fired because I, I don't think he should have been fired. I, I think it's probably his strike too. Um, but if, if Tom did that, coach did that, there would have been all kinds of calls for him to get rid of him. And so instead of getting mad about it, learn, build, right? Battle and build, battle and build and chop. And, and you chop and Yeah, right? I mean, just, just, Build the same thing. That's the way it goes. Yeah, Brian, um, I had a question. You kind of mentioned a little bit about uh, the MSU Twitter people. Um, I think that the growing community of Spartan fans on Twitter had a really big impact um, in building a culture, and I think especially with football season, because I don't think I've ever seen a uh, Michigan State fan base be so engaged with with the football team. What are your kind of thoughts on – you know, how, how Twitter influenced building the culture with this football program. It all starts with engagement from the organization, right? And MSU football has engaged MSU Twitter. And as you can see by their posts, uh, Mel understands the equity you can build from, he, he embraces social media and he understands how important it is. And he understands uh, how these young, this younger generation reads and, listens and hears Twitter. And so it's without question, MSU Twitter is very influential uh, because they engage the younger fan base. But more important than that, I think, you know, Mel and his staff understand the importance of it and have embraced it, you know, where, you know, uh, coaches has not really embraced social media. So I think there's kind of a, a little bit of a disconnect. And MSU Twitter, as it relates to football, was off the charts. And a lot of that has to do with the way the staff and everybody within the organization has embraced it. And so it's a force, guys. I mean, Coach Tuck has embraced uh, social media, portal, NIL, like no other coach in America has. Oh, yeah. And I think he's, you know, this, he, he understands what this, what this next generation is looking for. And 
I mean, right? We're, we all feel like we're involved, don't we? Oh yeah. Yes. We all feel like we got we got we, you know when a recruit wants in and MSU Twitter do your thing and everybody jumps in and every everybody's bought in, everybody buys in, everybody believes, and I even feel like I'm part of the program. And so, you know, I mean, kudos to coach and the staff and and the organization for understanding the impact that it has on on this next generation and how because you got to build equity, got to build equity, oh, yeah. build that wall, and and they get it, they absolutely get it, and. Uh, we're all we're all bought in, right? Oh, oh yeah. I'm I'm a hundred percent. My favorite thing was, and this isn't a slight against Coach Bowman, but my favorite thing was when Tucker was first coming in and starting to kind of build that equity with uh, with the fans on social media, especially Twitter. Like I would always imagine, like Paul Morissette having to sit Coach Bowman down and explain to him what a gif is. <laughs> like like this guy who is like lived on a football field for 45 years now has to like understand a gif and when to tweet it like and that's not a slight against him it's just it's just a testament to how this staff has kind of changed not only the perception of the program but the but the energy around it, right like i think that's a big i think that's a big part of it too is like there's just there's so much like there's so much juice like to borrow from Coach Cap. There's so much juice right now with the program that, that so you know. In, in fairness to Coach Bowles, that he's got like ten BCS championships. Oh yeah, he's been in ten BCS games. He's won I think a half dozen Big Ten championships, national championship. Um, he's one of the one of the best. He was my O line coach when I played. So. I tell you right now, Jim Bowman is one of the greatest human beings and one of the, regardless of what everybody thinks, you know, he wasn't the one calling the plays. I mean, he's oh, a no. tremendous coach, outstanding coach. But as this, the era of college football and the way you engage this younger generation and how it's changed, it's affecting, you know, college football is becoming a younger man's game, younger man, younger woman's game. It just has. You're seeing everybody get younger because of the recruiting cycle and the way that they're recruiting. And it's 24 seven, it's 365 days a year. And so you're seeing a lot of, you know, some of the maybe um, older coaches, maybe head to the NFL and different kinds of roles, not necessarily head coaching roles. And you're seeing college staffs get younger and younger across the country because of social media, because they're recruiting, because of the way the game has changed. And so, you know, everybody is for different eras, right? And this oh, yeah. era of, of uh, social media, NIL, portal, you know, it takes, that's why I go back to Mel Tucker. You know, there's very few coaches that understand all three facets of that. And uh, I can't name you three of them that do. And if anybody doesn't think that he's going to win here and win big here, they're absolutely crazy. They're crazy because... He gets it. He understands what it takes. And he's got us all bought in, right? I mean, we're all oh, yeah. he's got former players bought in. He's got um, recruiting services bought in. He's got uh, social media bought in. And uh, should be fun, right? I mean, oh, if, we, yeah. if we take a step back next year, don't be surprised. I mean, I'm not going to say we're going to. Um, uh, but we caught lightning in the bottle of canine. And it's gonna take, get, you know, he's gonna take. It's gonna take a couple of years to get his, get his, get his kids in here. 
listen, we're going to be, you guys, you have no idea what's in store, man. We are going to be competing for championships here. Trust me. What what I love about Coach Tucker is, like, I love Coach Antonio with all my heart, but, like, near the end, I, like, that Illinois game just sticks in my head. And I I said to myself, I'm not going to let MSU football mess with my emotions anymore. And I've been a fan ever since I got into sports when I was really young. I'm 34. You know, I got into sports when I was a young teenager. And, like, you know, I lived through John L. Smith, so I realized – you know, like that there's, there's been ups and downs and it's not like it can all always be incredible. Like, like that run he had, but like, you know, when Mel Tucker got hired, I just, I kind of gravitated towards him because I don't know why, but it was just, and and especially the second he got hired, he was act, he was interacting with all of us on Twitter. He wasn't even replying to some of my stuff. Like that blew my mind and I'm going, okay, I'm all in with this guy. And, you know, it wasn't, it was a rough 2020, you know, and it wasn't all his, it was not his fault, but, you know, I still had a lot of fun watching that team. Cause when they were, when they were good, they were good. You know, we have the Michigan Northwestern wins and I just, like, he's reinvigorated my love for, for MSU football when it was never going to die, but, you know, it just, it felt like I was just trying to move on from it in a way. And I mean, it's just the total opposite. I bought season tickets last year, you know, I'll never forget the Michigan game. I'll, I'll never forget the, the all the great home games we had, and I, I'm just I'm going to be there for every one of his games at home as as long as he's here. Because yeah, like you said, I I can't wait to see what's in store for the future. But that's because he engaged you. Yeah, he made you feel part of the program. Yeah, he 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 under there wasn't this wall up, Sorry. and he gets that. He gets that, and I think. When you look at uh, his new contract and you look at the, the guys that wanted to get involved in Pony Up, it wasn't because they love Michigan State, absolutely. But it was more because of their personal relation that they built with him, that it was personal, that they felt a connection. And that's what he's very good at. He's very good at building relationships, building that personal connection. And that can't be taught, guys. That can't be taught. You need to understand the landscape, understand the people, and, and, and understand about building real relationships because there are transactional relationships and then there are real relationships. And uh, the guy gets it, man. Just wait. We're just, we're, we're just getting started, man. You have no idea what's about to happen. No idea. So, so- I, I wanted to get your thoughts on something, Brian. You know, you you kind of went through two major coaching trans, transitions, right? Once you were a player, like you said, you were you were there for the transition from George Perlis to Saban, and you know, you were on the board. You height you helped hire Coach Tucker. So, you know, when when a when a team is in transition like that, you know what what are you trying to like, what are you trying to accomplish when looking for, for that next guy from your perspective? And also, you know, from a player's perspective, you know, I wanted to get kind of your, I kind of wanted to get your idea as well as like, what did you think as Perlis was kind of on his way out and Saban was on his way in? Well, I, you know, I think, do they understand our culture? Do they understand our people? Do they understand the Midwest? Um, and then tell us how you're going to win. Tell us how you're going to recruit. Tell us if you understand 
our, our, our roster, what needs to change, what needs to improve, tell us about our culture. And when you look back and look at Mel Tucker, when he interviewed, um, he knew our depth chart, uh, first and second string, he knew our strengths and weaknesses. He had a plan for recruiting, you know, the, the 300, 400 mile radius. He had, he knew the, you know, different, I mean, when I tell you the attention to detail, the high schools, the high school coaches, the areas. So, you know, you look at him, right? He's from Northeast Cleveland. He's from Ohio. And you look at the way that he's been able to uh, recruit now nationally. You cannot convince me that Ryan Day will be able to out-recruit him in the state of Ohio. You just can't. You can't. In In my opinion, he will eat Harbaugh's lunch in Michigan all day long. Yep. All day long. And then he will go toe to toe with Ryan Day. There is no question in my mind because he understands the brand. You see the way he dresses, the way, uh, the way he looks, the way he talks. Uh, everything he does is intentional. And he understands the marketing, the branding, what this generation of young man is looking for. Uh, and like we go back to NIL portal, all that stuff. So listen, I, I don't, I've never in all my years have seen anybody that gets the total picture uh, like Mel Tucker. And that's no knock against Coach D. Coach D'Antonio is phenomenal. Changed the whole program, changed the trajectory, proved you can win big at Michigan State. Um, but with this era, this day and age, what's transpiring, um, we hit a home run on Mel Tucker, guys. Hit a home run. Absolutely. And I had a question in regards to that. You know, how quickly did it take for you guys to realize that Tucker is the guy and, you know, this is, you got to get this contract done as soon as possible? Uh, you know, uh, inter- so he began to win this past year and then began to understand him. And, you know, then he wasn't looking. He didn't want to leave. He wants to stay at Michigan State. Um, I'm not dumb. I mean, I got clients all over the NFL. I know coaches all over the league, all over college. I know what the market was commanding. Uh, I'm not going to say I got that deal done, but I mean, we, you know, just talking to people in and around the university and um, the, the program and, and talking to some of the donors. I mean, I think when you have successful business folks that, um, that have built their organizations uh, through acquiring talent and retaining talent, they're not stupid. They know, they know what it takes to keep a winner, build a winner. And they're, 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 they got to where they got um, because they understand talent and they can identify talent. So um, I, I give him credit for building real relationships with, with them. And then I give them credit for really stepping up and saying, hey, this is our university. We wanna help. We understand the halo effect that if football's good, every other sport is good. And we're gonna put all these rumors to bed. We're gonna end it. We're gonna say, what, what, you know, let's figure out a number. Let's get this done. This guy's gonna be here forever. We're gonna win a national championship here. And, um, 
we're lucky to have guys like uh, Matt Ishbian and Steve St. Andre. We're very lucky, very lucky. Um, because Michigan State is not used to donors really, you know, running the deal, right? Running, putting this together. SEC is all day long. They're used to, you know, donors walking into your office, kicking their feet up on a table, telling you who to play, telling you who to recruit, telling you what to do. Those two are not like that. They have no ego. They don't want the limelight. They're not looking to go 13-0, and win a national championship, whatever it is. They want to build real relationships. And, um, you know, I think um, I think it's so far, it's a, I think, you know, it's a, it's a real relationship. And that's, that's what I think will sustain uh, the testament of time, is that the relationship is real. It's not transactional. And that's something special about Michigan State. So I'm excited, you know, as you, as you guys are. Football has become a 12-month season. Oh, yeah. Hasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. We're all excited. I can't remember the last time I, I have been excited for spring football. I'm I'm refreshing. I'm I'm an I'm an alumni now, so I'm trying to like this is going to be my first season like buying like actual season tickets. I'm hitting the refresh page on like the ticket office, like it's uh like I'm trying to get a pair of Nikes. Like I'm like like I'm hitting refresh like every thirty seconds waiting for the drop. Uh, you brought up a good point that I think a lot of that I think a lot of critics, whether they were making those critiques in good or bad faith about Tucker's contract that it has a halo effect. When football's good, the sports are good. You know, you look at Alabama, right? Look at a school like Alabama. You know, they, football brings in more money than the rest of the state combined. And they use it to become like a track and field powerhouse, a softball powerhouse. You know, they got a good thing going with Nate Oates and basketball down there. So I think you're right that it's, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah, you know, SEC, SEC is a little different. We have 25 sports. I think Michigan has 32. Ohio State has 39. Uh, SEC has the bare minimum of 16. On average, every sport loses a million dollars. So clearly their focus is football. Um, you know, where we, we really have, we take a different approach. It's more about uh, the total, you know, student athlete experience and that's why the halo effect matters so much more here because if football and basketball are successful, every other sport will be, um, including, you know, women's sports and, and you know, with, with the inclusion equity piece of it, I think is really important. So when you saw what Matt and Saint did when they donated, um, they were very concerned about, you know, the halo effect and how that will affect women's sports and making sure like they understood that if football is successful and basketball, you know, basketball is successful, that it will help and translate, uh, translate and help to every other sport, including and especially women's sports. Yeah. Um, so football is the king. I mean, football is 85% of the budget and so goes football, so goes the athletic department, which is why I think, you know, during COVID you saw football being played and coming up with protocols to make sure because of the TV deals, um, which is why I'm a big proponent of paying these young men NIL because, because of that. But uh, yes, the halo effect is extremely important. And we have a different, the Big Ten has a different um, definition of that than the SEC. 
And sometimes we're at a disadvantage because of that, because our focus is not, you know, strictly on football. It's more about the total student, student athlete experience and more of a focus on women's sports as well. So that, you know, that in theory could hurt us uh, when it comes to football, but I, I, think, I think we're heading in the right direction and we're doing a lot of good things, gents. I really do. We're excited. I mean, I'm excited, aren't you? Oh guys? yeah, I, I'm so pumped. Well, you bring up you bring up the SEC versus the Big Ten, and it's something that that I personally have thought about a lot because my brain is weird. Uh, you know, especially with the SEC kind of adding Oklahoma and Texas into the fold. You know, as someone who you know is kind of who kind of knows the day to day of like how uh, how the school in the in, to a lesser extent the conference operates, like. How do you how do you view kind of how college football is changing and you know what are your thoughts on how the Big Ten can kind of set itself up for success in in this you know kind of changing era of of college of college football especially but all college sports. I mean, I think college football is that as we know it. I mean, it's it's going to be the haves versus the have-nots. It's going to be. Uh, conferences uh, join forces and realignment. It's going to be two big mega conferences, I believe. Um, and it's going to change. The whole landscape has changed dramatically. I think, um, God, let me say this politically correctly. The Big Ten doesn't have the infrastructure built for NIL like the SEC does because they, they've been doing NIL long before it was called NIL. <laughs> For a long time. Yeah, it was so, called McDonald's bags and <laughs> gas station meetups. Yeah, so, you know that infrastructure is there. Now it's less risk on the street, but um, I think um, you know you saw Oklahoma's move, right? You saw Lincoln Riley. He he, he read the tea leaves, right? He went to the Pac-12, which is much easier to win. And you know, SEC, you're gonna play you know six top ten teams every year. And you're going to see, I mean, the, the TV contracts are going to get bigger. The conferences are going to merge. And it's going to become, I think, two big mega conferences that are going to be dictated um, by TV. And it's going to be, become like the NFL. You're going to see the portal become like free agency. You're going to see signing day become like the draft. And then you're going to see kids, you know, young student athletes uh, being, you know, in and out, leaving every year. Uh, treated like free agency. So I think it's, uh, it's going to change dramatically. And I think the coaches that embrace this and understand the way the landscape is changing, uh, uh, the, the, the sooner they embrace it, the more successful they're going to be. Now, I also think that, um, and I don't know how the NCAA is going to do this, but they will really help behoove the whole landscape if they put guardrails around you know, like national rules around everybody. Everybody's playing by the same rules, but I don't, I just don't know how they do that, guys. I'm not sure. I mean, honestly, in, in, you know, Lucas and Carter, this is the first time I'm sharing this idea with you guys. I think it would behoove not only the other quote unquote power five conferences, but I think just the NCAA as a whole to just kind of, freeze the sec out to just kind of go you guys want to play your different game that's fine you know you can play against the xfl 
we're we're not playing you. We're done with you. You know, you can get your TV money while it's good, and you'll be you'll be on an island. I think you know. I'm not sure, like what the you know what the legal ramifications are of of a strategy like that. But I think I think the SEC is only going to continue to expand if you know if they're not talking to Florida State now. Just wait until I just wait until Florida State hires Deion Sanders, right? Like that's coming. I, yeah, that oh, it's absolutely coming. So absolutely has to be. So I yeah, just absolutely. think, I just think, I, I think that's, I think if you want to keep, if you want to keep some of the, some of college football as it is, right, that, that does benefit, you know, schools like Western Michigan and, and, and you know, Eastern and some of the other in-state schools that, you know, we look, you know, that we love and, you know, that our friends and our family go to. I think that's probably, I think that's probably the most, like the best strategy. Otherwise, the Big Ten should just poach Notre Dame, Clemson, Florida State, and let's just let's do the thing. Hey, I don't, I don't see us. I don't see the SEC uh, being removed out of the equation anytime soon. Um, I don't see you know Notre Dame has the star power to be independent on the football side, and uh, you know a lot of when you know people get mad when Notre Dame joins the ACC, it doesn't include football. Well, remember, people love to watch Notre Dame. Yeah. Wake Forest needs to play uh, Notre Dame in basketball. Uh, you know, Pitt needs to play Notre Dame in basketball. Not the Big East, right? No, well, Pitt, Pitt's in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, because Notre Dame brings them so much attention. So I don't see Notre Dame... I mean, maybe inevitably their football program will have to join a football conference, but I don't, you know, the SEC, you know, they're a powerhouse. Big Ten's a powerhouse. I see more of a Big Ten Pac-12 alignment than I do the SEC kind of being eliminated. And I think it's going to be the, the Big Ten and Pac-12 align. I think it's going to be the, the SEC and, and the Big 12 align. And I think you're going to have two mega conferences. That's what I see coming down the road. And I also think that the unintended consequences of the NIL, you're seeing a lot of women's sports and some of the individual female athletes that have a large TikTok following, Twitter following, they're going to be able to, uh, to be able to monetize that following uh, that many people didn't uh, anticipate NIL providing. So, you know, there's some things that, you know, that are happening that nobody anticipated. Um, and then there are other things where I think it's going to be, you know, the haves and the have-nots, and I think that's where we're headed, quite frankly. Yeah, no, I can definitely see the, I definitely, I definitely see the future where, you know, it's where the, where it's the NFL, where we're kind of, where it's the NFL and there's two, there's two conferences and everyone else just kind of, is kind of floundering outside of outside of the those two right so like down the road what happens to be you know byu san diego state tcu i mean how do these schools you know that are you know, just basically some of the non-power five schools how do they compete day in day out with nil and uh, tv deals and, and for a national championship it'll be very interesting to see how that transpires 
Well, I think like Notre Dame and BYU are interesting cases because yes, their, infra- their infrastructure is so different Much than, different. Michigan, than Michigan State's. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of other politics that they have to contend with. But I, I am interested to kind of see how this move to the Big 12 goes for them. I, you're right. You know, Notre Dame and BYU have their own following, have a different following. So that's it's not regional. It's somewhat national. It's national, no question. So it'll be interesting to see the way this whole thing transpires. But I think the programs that embrace uh, NIL, portal, social media, all those things, I think they're the ones that are going to uh, really lead the pack. And I'm just happy we got Mel Tucker. Jens. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very happy. Um, Carter, do you have any more questions for Brian before we wrap it up? Uh, I have I have one more. So, Carter, go ahead. I was just going to run it back to uh, our football team specifically. Um, last year, you know, I think that, you know, you did say we captured lightning in a bottle going 11 and two uh, winning the Peach Bowl. And I think a lot of that did have to do with Kenneth Walker. But one guy I was really impressed with was Peyton Thorne. I think in some of those games where Kenneth Walker wasn't as effective as he usually was, you know, I'm thinking like the Nebraska game, I mean, Rutgers, he did have that huge run, but I think Thorne did it with his arm Uh, to an extent. Some of the Michigan plays, he made some really important throws. And of course the peach bowl, I just want to know how uh, confident you are in Thorne's ability to take Michigan state to the next level. Well, I have no, I have no doubt. He's a, he's a Davey O'Brien finalist. And as long as we can, we can protect him and he's got speed on the edges. You got the, you know, Jaden Reed back and who else? We got, we got the... Gray and Keon and... Yeah, yeah, he's got, he's got some speed on the outside. But again, you got to, you know, he's, he can make all the throws. He has the poise to make all the throws. He has the moxie and the confidence. Um, and it's more of a question, you know, can the line protect them? I think we have the speed outside. We have guys that can win one-on-one. And schematically, I think uh, Jay does a, a tremendous job of, uh, you know, like you saw against Miami, right? Using their speed against them, running those slip screens and doing some of those things. And so I think uh, I think he's got the pieces. The question, and I think Broussard's is a tremendous, I think him and Berger are going to be a tremendous, like, you know, uh, lightning and just kind of a one-two punch, right? I think they both, uh, they're going to complement each other very well. So I think all the pieces are there. It'd be nice if we can pick up, uh, you know, maybe another lineman or two in the portal, some guys. I mean, I think it could possibly help. I think if you look at Michigan State, our best teams have been on our front seven on both sides that are physical, very physical, and able to run the ball, close the end of the horseshoe, third and two on your minus 18, get those two yards. I mean, these are the teams, you know, when we look at historically – you know, uh, our program when we're up front, very physical on both sides of the line. So, you know, I think uh, I have no doubt in my mind that uh, he can lead us to the to the promised land. So he's got two years left, maybe one. You know, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I saw who that who was that guy that had a take about Mel winning a national championship with a – Oh, Josh Pate. Yeah, with a, getting a quarterback. Like, we got the quarterback. Yeah. He'd be one to play. He can play. He can play. So just got to give him the pieces and we'll be just fine with him. Trust me. 
So before you go, I want to get down to brass tacks. Okay, this is these are issues that are near and dear to my heart that I think that I think you can kind of help me guide in the right direction so that I can accomplish these goals not only for myself but all of Spartan Nation. Um, number one, how do we get how do we get alcohol sold in Spartan Stadium? How do we get it done? Who do we need to talk to? Helen Heller. Okay. <laughs> He's your first guy. So I think we're trying to get it done in um, Mun to test yeah. it, sell okay. beer. Okay. I'm a big proponent. I think we need alcohol in Spartan Stadium um, because if Ohio State can do it, we can do it. Minnesota oh, yeah. can do it, we can do it. I think it cuts down on the binge drinking. So yeah. I'm in full support, whatever, <laughs> whatever you need to help. But, uh, you know, listen, bureaucracies move slow so i think mun is going to be the first test and then we'll go from there but uh, i agree with you there okay awesome uh number two uh the tailgate lots what can we do to change what times they open you know is that alan is that alan holler as well or is that or is that someone in facilities combination of the weather combination of the police and alan and all those things what is it four hours prior yeah Four to six. Four to six. Yeah. yeah. And is is it the same if Mun is muddied and is it it, I think I think four to six is the base rule. I think they just close off Mun. Yeah. Yeah. How many hours would you like? I, well, I I'm like us. four in the morning. Four in the morning, no matter <laughs> what time kickoff is. Well, we need you laser focused. We can't okay. have you. <laughs> Out there, we can't have you out there for the well, morning. Well, like, well, I think, I think the earlier you do it, I think the more, and especially if you tie it in with the beer at Spartan Stadium, you get. <laughs> I think you can. I think a lot of people will adapt the marathon, not a sprint mentality. So, if it's a noon game or a three thirty game, does it affect your tailgate? Well, I don't think I don't think people will be there at four a.m. Lucas, you tailgated this season, you know. The the Michigan tailgate, it started at 7, and, you know, it, it felt like a lot to, to cram in. I mean, I had people to meet and stuff. I had, you know, family and friends to catch up with. But, like, it it uh, it just felt a little cramped, you know what I mean? Like, in a weird way. Like, 7 should be fine, but, like, setting up and then, you know, making sure everyone comes in, you say hi. Like, I saw Carter. Carter came by and all that. Like, it I felt like if six because you know those lots the the lines were there probably at 5 a.m and I saw staffers walking around at 6 6 30 and they they have to do their thing so and, and it's a it's not the greatest job so I'm not gonna just say you know sacrifice more of your off time and and let us get drunk in front of you faster <laughs> but like if they open the lot at 6 a.m that day Oh boy, I think it. I think it would have been just a little better, but that, that's just my one. My one thing is like the new games. You don't have to make it five, but like six a.m., six thirty. Like give a little wiggle room, and then, you know, like what? What we have a night game to open the season, right? Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. Like make it eight or nine, not one o'clock. Make it eight or nine. Do you want to spend twelve hours there for a game? 
Sure. I want to spend. I want to spend all my free time in East Lansing, Brian. I. <laughs> I want to be in East Lansing. I want to be in East Lansing all the time. How locked in we are. I love it. And I I understand business and negotiation, right? I know 4 a.m. is unreasonable, but it's a good starting point, right? So when we get to 6.30, I feel they feel like I'm giving up something, right? It's reverse psychology. I'll make some calls for you guys. But the the good thing is that none of us block or tackle. And if we get there at four or six thirty a.m., we are well. We could affect the outcome of the game if we get a couple, you know, delay games and stuff like that. And yeah. All starts, but we're not blocking or tackling. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm I'm totally opposite. I don't enjoy tailgating. I have no interest. Wow. It's like game day, and I'm like, I'm not interested in saying hi to anybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm a nervous wreck. You're just, just locked in. You want to get oh, the team and get just, going. Yes. Oh, that Michigan that Saturday. That I was so oh. tense, man. I didn't want to see anybody. I want to shake hands. I want to hang out. They want to have anything to eat. I was man. Wow. Try being in the section full of Michigan fans in the upper bowl. <laughs> That's where I was. I would have got that kicked was, out. That was misery <laughs> for like the the middle part of that game, and then. Obviously, the end was just pure euphoria, but like, yeah, I I could see your point. But yeah, I was nervously in that game, but it was just fun to to get there early. You know, like getting there early felt like it was a different environment as opposed to like playing Youngstown State at noon. It just it was so much more vibrant. So you got there early. There's a big long traffic jam. Then if you got there around eleven, everybody just came in. Yeah, there was no traffic whatsoever because everybody was already in there. But it was a special, it was a special day, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's hope uh, Coach uh, can create more moments like that for all of us because uh, that's that was a game none of us will ever forget, and that's that's what you want, right? You want to create life moments. Yeah. That's what makes it such a fun game. You got any more, SD? I have one more. One more. Uh, I this is a personal thing. Uh, I think Spartan Stadium needs a sound upgrade. You know. I, I want that place, I want that place shaking. I want, I want it to register on the Richter scale when that place gets going. And I think the music is a big part of that, right? Like the team kind of came out to swag surfing. I feel, you know, when I was there for Nebraska and, you know, based from what Lucas was saying for some of the other games, you couldn't really hear it. And, you know, it was hard to get the crowd involved. I think we need to get just like, just a banging sound system in Spartans. We need a big sound upgrade. Oh, hold on. Let me take some notes. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. We'll work on that for you. Perfect. I just the banging sound upgrade and the alcohol. I think everything else will cut will fall in line along with that. How about we give everybody more alcohol so we don't yes. need a sound system and the place is just rocking? Perfect. I also I also have a far out idea where we create a demilitarized zone around Spartan Stadium and we set um, the drinking age to 18. Oh. Just in Spartan right. Stadium, just on fall Saturdays. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> you got it. No problem. Perfect. I'll work on it for you. Awesome. Right. We, we can't thank you enough for joining us, man. Like it, it is, it is truly awesome and an honor to have you on with us. Like, Stop. I, 
I thank cannot, you for having me. Thank you. Come on. Thank you, Brian. We do appreciate Thanks, you. I thank appreciate you, you guys. You guys, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much. It's an yeah. honor. And anything us fellow Spartans can do to help each other, it's uh, my pleasure. So, uh, absolutely. Anyway, when's the spring game? Two months? April what? 15th? April 16th. You guys going? Oh, oh yeah. We need 150,000 there. Okay. Easy enough. I'll be driving <laughs> that day. Done. All right. Well, listen, guys, thank you for having me on here. I appreciate you. And uh, we're going to have you on the podcast soon. So uh, sweet. Thank you very much. Take care and uh, go green, huh? Go white. Go white. All right. Good night.